When on the hunt for a new apartment, we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us. I would say for me, top of that list is probably natural light. Just because I know myself, I know I'm more productive throughout the day. I'm honestly just happier throughout the day when I'm getting a lot of natural light. And it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that. You know, this is your space that you're living in. So apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes. So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters, so you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer-dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer-dryer is like hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Commas by Celebs. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. How are you feeling about this episode? Uh, we got a lot going on tonight. <laughs> we are a little bit all over the place, but I think it's in a way that you guys are actually going to enjoy. So let me tell you what's happening here because it's a little bit different. As you know, we just finished with the last episode of season 19. And before season 19 started, we had been recapping old episodes and we had just finished season two, the episode where they went to Breckenridge. So our plan for today was that we were going to come back in strong with season three, episode one, the famous episode where Chloe goes to jail. But we kind of took a look back at the last two episodes of season two, and we figured we may as well just touch on them just to really feel like we rounded that out and completed it. So first, we're going to very quickly spend a couple of minutes just telling you what happened in those, discussing any notable points, and then we'll move into a full breakdown of season three, episode one, Chloe's in jail, Kim's taking pictures. I just feel like that's a real nostalgic way to bring us back into the old episodes. I think so too. Okay, so we'll get into that. But I just have to say, I know typically with these, we really try to focus on the episode, but this news happened post our podcast on Monday. And I just feel like, how are we going to have this and not talk about it? Which is the fact that apparently we were wrong and the Amelia Gray Hamlin Scott Disick dating rumors are appearing to be true. And I am so not here for it that I don't even know how to discuss how not here for it I am in a way that really conveys my sentiment. Oh my God, same. I mean, it's not that I can't believe that we were wrong. It's just that I was really hoping we weren't going to be. I'm just not not down for it. it. She's too young. There's really no other way to say it. 19 is just, when you're 37, you have three kids. 19 is just too damn young. I know. That's how I feel. I know, you know, there are a lot of relationships that do well with a significant age difference, but this just feels weird to me. And it's not about, yes, I recognize technically it's legal, but it's not about the legality of it. It's just about the feeling of it all. And to be honest with you, like you said, it's not that I'm shocked that we were wrong, but I was really hoping we weren't because it made a lot of sense for them to just be hanging out as friends in a group. Her stylist is one of his closest friends. Like they, we've seen them go to a lot of group dinners before. So I genuinely, to, in like every fiber of my being, believed this to be false. Maybe it was just that I was praying, but I feel like we have the same reaction that everybody else has, which is just like, ugh. I know. It's because you want to root for somebody so badly and then they do things and you're like, how, 
how can I root for you? Like, how can I root for you when this is such a bad public image that you're putting out and such a bad, just such a bad look all around, honestly. And I'm sure a lot of people's reaction is like, oh, I wanted him back with Courtney, which is totally understandable. But I think this is just goes so beyond that. Like, of course, I want him back with Courtney, but if he's going to be dating somebody else, I'd rather be somebody that is age appropriate and makes sense and doesn't give me like a weird, creepy vibe about him. I was going to say that it's this time, a lot of times when Scott starts dating someone new, the feeling that I have is like, oh, just one step farther away from him and Corny. That's not my reaction here. I honestly forgot Corny was even in the equation. For me, it's more just like, this feels wrong. And I want to specify, it's nothing against Amelia. I actually really like her. I've seen her be really vulnerable on Housewives of Beverly Hills. I really like Lisa. It has nothing to do with her. I think she's a sweet girl. It's not about that. It's just anybody at that age, it feels off. I'm sorry. It's it's off. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't have this podcast and not say that we feel it's very weird. And the other thing is, when you were looking at him and Sophia, obviously the age difference is very apparent there too, but it kind of seemed like something where it was so... It, it got so serious that you weren't really paying attention to the age difference after a while. But then when you pair that with this and some of the other people he's dated, when it goes from a relationship that's just a one-off with an age difference to something that appears to be a pattern of behavior, that's when it gets into that sticky area. And that's what we're seeing with Scott right now. Yeah. I just, I will say we got this one message from, I wish I could find the DM, but they just sometimes come in so fast and I lost it. But it was this woman who was a body language expert. And she was like, if you look at the pictures of them on the beach, there's really not that much intimacy in the way that his arm is around her. And like, I understand that. And I'm sure maybe it's a fair point, but I don't know many friends of that age distance and, you know, those opposite genders who are attracted to each other that would just be walking on the beach like that, who are also celebrities. Like there's just no way you're not going to create a media spectacle for no reason. Exactly. And if that is the case, then come forward and, and set the rumor straight. Say you're just friends, say there's nothing going on and let it be done if if that's not the case. Because if it's not the case, then you don't want people talking around, you know, talking about how you only date 19 year olds and you're only date people who aren't 21 yet. Like, it's not a good look for you. So if it isn't true, then you come forward and say it. And then if it is, that's why you're keeping your mouth shut. So I really can't imagine that this is just a case of two friends hanging out that don't want to say anything. No, those beach pictures really threw me for a loop. I have to tell you. Like, yeah. We were the first ones to say that walking into that party, it just happened to be two people walking in, which honestly still could be the case. You really never know. But then when I saw those pictures, I was like, fuck. Like right. it just it, it's a I'll put it like this. In the entirety of our experience with Scott in terms of who he's dated and what we've seen, this one felt very different. This one gave me like a very uncomfortable vibe. And I think it would happen regardless of who the person was, if we knew their age, but also having gotten to know Amelia a little bit, just through Beverly Hills Housewives, not personally, obviously you kind of watched her grow up, grow up. You watched her, at least I did. I know, you know, you watched her experience of going to New York and you really saw her taking on these things that are just so youthful. So she feels, if you're somebody who is a Bravo person, she feels younger, not because she's immature or anything, just because you watched her growing up process. So God, I just, fuck, I hate this so much. I have nothing other to say than I just hate this, Julie. Same, me too. I'm, I'm with you. And I also wonder... How is it possible that we're going from the last episode of season 19 when they're joking about him and Courtney potentially having another kid together, even if that had nothing to do with them being 
back together. But just as we've spoken about, we think that if they were to have another kid, it would just be with the two of them. Like, how do we go from that conversation and the family embracing it so wholeheartedly to like him seemingly dating or hooking up with a 19 year old? And what is the family's reaction to that? I don't know, but I am so curious because I cannot imagine that Chris Jenner is happy right now. Right? I can't imagine it. She's closer to Mason's age than she is to Scott. Yeah. I think that was the case with Sophia too. Yeah, it is just it is just not it. Is there anything else you want to mention about that before we get into the episode? No, I'm I'm ready to move on from it. You don't even want to talk about it. I wish you guys could have seen the way that Julia and Isabel and I reacted when we saw those pictures. I seriously felt like I felt like somebody just slapped me in the face. That's how I felt. Same. I couldn't believe it. Also, and a lot of people made this point. Scott was just speaking in the last episode of season 19 about how he felt his privacy was so invaded in Malibu, which it absolutely is. But then it's like, if that's such a concern for you, there's a lot of other ways that you can be hanging out with her that don't feel so public. You know what I mean? Like, it almost feels intentional. It does feel intentional. I'm holding on to some sliver of of fantasy hope that this is all just a sick joke and it's not real, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, so let the record show. One, we're not embarrassed about being wrong because I would have never wanted to predict that and then put it even into the universe. And two, just like the rest of you, I would imagine we are not at all a fan of this and like very kind of creeped out. Yeah. And going back to point one, I guess Florence Pugh and Zach Braff are still dating. Oh my God, I was going to make that announcement on Monday's episode. Guys, we got so many panic messages and I think it was my fault, although we listened to the episodes three times before they come out. And last week or on Monday when we were talking about Harry Styles and I was saying to Julie, you know, they're filming this new movie together now that her and Zach are broken up. Like, do you think they're going to hook up? And Julie was like, totally went along with it. Isabel listened, our producer listened. Not one person caught it. We listened to the episode three times. I think we all, for some reason, thought that they had broken up. And I really genuinely apologize. We don't ever try to give out false information. It was a total oversight. And I don't know how that happened. Um, I know exactly what happened. There was either an article that came out and was just one article, or there was a blind that came out, which is exactly why we try to stay away from blinds. And this was a good lesson for us because I can remember exactly what it said, which was the fact that they, quote, broke up and she had wanted to do so for a while, but he had such a hard year that she waited. I remember reading that, so I know I didn't make it up. Whether it was from an article or a blind, that I'm not sure of. Clearly, we were wrong, um, but I think we both had that same thing in our head and just never checked back in on it to see what actually happened there. Yeah, but neither. It's one thing for us both to not, but then to Isabel and to our producer, like literally nobody batted an eye. So I really apologize for any panic that that caused or any like lack of credibility. You know, we typically are very, very accurate in our sources. I just, I don't know what happened there. So sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) They are apparently still together and we will let you know if anything changes. But then I was thinking, like, I wasn't going to do this because I just obviously don't care. I have no shame. But somebody messaged us and they were like, well, were you talking about it hypothetically? And I was like, that would have been a really good angle if we didn't want to admit that we were wrong. Yeah, that's actually, yes, it was hypothetical. (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked. We were never wrong. (laughs) I'm shocked that that's not the angle you went with. Um, I think I was just in too deep. (laughs) Yeah, we were in too deep. We fucked up. It happens. Happens to the best of us. I'm sorry for any uh, anxiety we caused, but they're going strong. (laughs) Although I still do think that in in another world, 
Florence and Harry would look great together in a hypothetical other world. I do stand by that statement. I I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into it. You ready? I am very ready. Okay. So like I said, very quickly going to go through the last two episodes of season two, just so that you feel like you're fully up to speed. So this is the second to last episode of season two, and this is when it's Kim and Reggie Bush's one year anniversary, and she stages that really sexy photo shoot to make a calendar for him. As you all know, there's the, I'm going to call it bullshit plot line where Chris thinks that it's a work thing, ends up making the calendar. You guys remember Rob and Kim are running around to all the newsstands in LA getting them. Fine. That's pretty irrelevant to talk about because I think we can all agree that that's total bullshit. But the one part of this I did want to talk about is just, I really do forget seeing Kim and Reggie together. It's not that I forget what it was like, but I just, I guess I think Connie and then before Connie, I think Chris and my mind doesn't really go farther than that just because of how much has happened with those two people. So when I see her and Reggie, I like get this sense of excitement. Like I loved them together. I also forgot how hot he was. He's so unbelievably sexy. They were a hot couple. To me, they were the hottest couple out of anyone she's dated. Oh, I so agree. Right? I can't believe you think that over. You really thought Chris Humphreys was hot. I know, but I, and I'm contradicting myself because I said that I could do this with Tristan. I literally can't separate Chris's personality from his looks. I can't either personally. But also the difference is that Tristan's personality is the fact that he tricks you. Like he tricks you into he's super charismatic and really comes across so well Chris Humphreys never even had that so it's like with Tristan's personality you can trick yourself a because he's so good looking that you kind of block out what he did but you're not separating from his personality you're separating from his actions Chris Humphreys is just his personality and his actions Yes. And uh, I agree with that point completely. But also I think to Chris's disadvantage, he had so much camera time. Like he was such a core character on the show and it just did him such a disservice. Whereas Tristan, we see a lot less of him than we saw of Chris. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Chris Humphreys to me had just the worst personality, especially for Kim. They couldn't have been more opposite. I really talk about something I'd love to talk to her about if she ever came on the show. Like, by the way, if she ever did, it would need to be three hours because there's just so many things. I say this every time. But that to me, like clearly was just somebody who so badly wanted this fairy tale life and was making it fit. I know she's spoken about it before and that's kind of what she's alluded to. You know, like she just wanted to be married and it was so off. Also, you know, it's weird just going back for a second to Reggie. It's really weird to see one of them have a boyfriend that isn't super involved with the family. Like, Reggie was very separate from the family. Like, they definitely interacted with him. They were definitely comfortable with him. But it's not like you saw him constantly. Whereas with every other boyfriend I feel like they've had, it's like every single scene is the family harassing them and being overbearing with them. And you just don't get that at all with Reggie. Yes, it's actually really interesting because I forget if it was in this episode or the next one we're going to talk about. I think it was this one. But Kim is on the phone with him and she's in Dash and he had hurt his ACL or he had some injury. He couldn't play for the year. And Kim's on the phone with him. Chloe's sitting next to her. And Chloe's like, oh, so you guys can't have wild sex? And Kim's like, oh my God, did you hear what Chloe just said? And he's like, no. And Chloe goes, put me on the phone. And Kim gives Chloe the phone and she's like, so you can't have sex in the washing machine or all these crazy things. And Kim's so embarrassed. She's like, Chloe, Chloe, like running around giving her the phone. Whereas if it was Scott, they would have that conversation, not even bad an eye, you know? 
Right. And Kim could not believe what Chloe was saying. Yeah. Like that to me was such a small little anecdote that was so exemplary of the difference in in closeness, I guess. And I, and I wonder if that was intentional, you know, Reggie's career was very demanding at the time. Scott's was not, it was almost pretty much non-existent. Whereas Reggie was a professional athlete. He was constantly on the move. And I think, you know, in his alone time, he probably wanted to spend it with just Kim, which is very fair. Yeah, definitely. So interesting though. It was really interesting. Yeah. That was kind of my biggest takeaway from the episode in terms of things that are worthy of discussing since we're not focusing on it. Is there anything you wanted to mention? No, I think that's it. Just I remember thinking that calendar was just the hottest thing that anyone's ever done ever. I actually wanted to ask you, could you ever see yourself doing that for like a boyfriend or a fiance or a husband? Um, me personally, no. But yeah, I don't think I could, but like I so saw the appeal of it. I love but I it. would want to want to. Yeah, I want to. I'm, I want to make that a goal. I really love that. I remember seeing it. This is such a weird reference, but Kim Bierman and Croy, she did that for him. And I remember seeing it on Kardashians first and I was just like, yes, this is so a gift that I would love to give. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the best gift to give. Me not doing it is just my own like discomfort with a camera. It has nothing to do with like not wanting to actually do it. No, I know. I mean, listen, I don't know if I would either, but I would want to want. Yeah, you're right. I exactly. would. I want to want to. <laughs> yeah. I think it wouldn't be a calendar necessarily. Like I don't foresee either of us getting dressed up in that way, but I think like a really sexy photo book, even if it's like pocket size to me, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Good talk. Glad we had that. <laughs> I'm just such a nudes enthusiast. Uh, you don't say. <laughs> I feel like makeup in general and specifically a daily makeup routine is so personal and that we've all kind of gotten down to a science, what works for us, what we need before we leave the house, like where do we feel our most comfortable? And for me on a daily basis, I wear really, really minimal makeup. I actually think I feel the most comfortable with the least amount of makeup, but my two Holy Grail products always have been, I think always will be are mascara and lip gloss, maybe a little highlight on the inner corner if I'm feeling crazy, but Honestly, whether you are fresh face, full glam, wherever you fall, you have probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. It's the one in that turquoise tube that you see all over social media. So Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance and trademark formulas, and uncompromising standards. They have a lot of great products, but the one I want to focus on is the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. First of all, it lasts all day without clumping, smudging, or flaking, which I'm telling you right now, I have a zero tolerance policy for flaking with my mascara. Like I'm just not trying to put you on my lashes if you're going to flake. And they have a flake-free tubing formula that dramatically lengthens and defines your lashes from root to tip. So it kind of looks like lash extensions without the damaging glue or salon prices. Also super easy removal, slides right off with warm water and a washcloth, no soap required. And it has nourishing ingredients that support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's just like very much worth the hype. I had seen it a lot. And once I tried it, I was like, oh, okay, this is why I see it everywhere. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 20% off your first order. (laughs) 
Okay, so last episode of season two, this is when Reggie is having that charity event for his 619 Foundation, and they're going to New Orleans. He invites you know, Kim, Chloe, Courtney, all to come to play in this poker tournament. It's funny because the way Kim's talking about it, she's like, there's going to be a lot of celebrities here. Vivica A. Fox and Shaquille O'Neal and Paul Wall. And obviously these people are very famous, but it's just so like the way that Kim was, all of them actually were so kind of like starstruck or not even starstruck, but like they call them star fuckers at the time is so crazy to see that contrasted with how they are now. You know, like I want to say to her, if you only knew you're going to have JLo at your Christmas party in a couple of years. Well, it's just weird to think about a charity event that they would be at where it wouldn't be a big deal that they were there, like where they wouldn't be one of the people headlining or that wouldn't be one of the featured guests. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So they go down, they have this event, and they're at Cafe Dumont in New Orleans, which is Kim's favorite, as we've seen over the years, and also just incredible. And this really sweet girl and her mom come up to them. They start talking. They're fans of the show. And- it turns out that they they live in New Orleans and they kind of want to give them a tour. And they do so. And in doing so, they show them all of the areas that were wrecked by Hurricane Katrina. I don't honestly know if this was set up ahead of time. Like it must have been in terms of them coming up to the table. But I really do believe this was, I mean, I know this was an actual family that was actually affected. And you see them kind of take them through all of all of the different parts that Hurricane Katrina hit. And you see at the end, they team up with Reggie's foundation. They gift them with all of this furniture. They take them to dinner. And like, to me, I don't know how it was set up, but to me, that entire thing was genuine. And I remember reading, this was so long ago and I wish I could cite my sources. So maybe I shouldn't say it if I can't. I remember reading something about that family, like certifying that it was real. Yeah. I remember it was a hundred percent real. I remember reading that as well. I don't think it was a plot set up by the show. Hurricane Katrina was, that was August, 2005. There were 1800 deaths, $125 billion in damage. Like I obviously was not there at the time, but I remember Justin Sylvester actually talking to us about it and about the trauma that he experienced during it. And like just watching them, I know this was a really like short glimpse, but that was such a traumatic event and it was powerful that they got to show that. Yeah, very. I mean, if you are in New Orleans now, there is still damage that you can see from it. It it just rocked the whole city. And I think this being a plot on Kardashians was important because you had this family that was so captivating and so wild and crazy. And you saw that side of them. And I think that they needed to have a side that showed their compassionate and real side. And that's what this episode did for them. And I think it was a really important stepping stone for them in terms of the show as a whole. Yeah. Also, I mean, this show, this episode was in 2008 and Hurricane Katrina was 2005. So it was only three years out, which may sound like a lot, but with this type of thing, it's not at all. And that's what the family was even saying to them. They're like, you know, there are so many parts that look exactly the same as they did when this all happened. So it was just interesting. It was also, you know, not to bring up this comparison, but when they decide that they want to help this family and they want to surprise them by buying them furniture, it's, Kim, Chloe, Courtney, and Rob, they're huddled outside the house and they're kind of saying, yeah, we'll all pitch in some money. Kim calls the foundation to kind of help. And when you see that contrasted with season 19, when, you know, Kylie is just casually FaceTiming Chris to donate a million dollars to the coronavirus relief, it just goes to show like 
the way that their wealth has grown exponentially. And I know most of that has manifested itself into extravagance, but I do think when it comes to charity, there is also an element where that's escalated as well. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I liked this episode. It wasn't like a crazy finale. It wasn't probably the finale that people were expecting, but I remember liking it at the time and watching it again. I liked it all over again. Oh my God. Yeah, me too. Definitely. The last thing worth mentioning on this episode was just, I'm sure you guys remember it. It was when, since they were all away and Kylie and Kendall were away, it was Caitlin's idea to have this very kind of romantic weekend with Chris. Cece ends up coming, which again, I think was totally a plot and ruins it. But it's not even about that. It's just, it is really crazy to remember the intense romance and passion between Chris and Caitlin. I know in this episode, it was kind of based on the fact that like, oh, Caitlin's trying to do something romantic and it doesn't happen. But I just forget that. Like when Caitlin's on the phone with Courtney and she's like, I just want to chase my naked wife around the house. Like I physically can't imagine that now. I feel like they want nothing to do with each other. So it's just crazy watching. That was also um, one of the parts of Kardashians that I think drew a lot of people in was how open they all were like sexually. I don't mean that in a weird way. I just mean like sex was such a topic of conversation around the house. And I felt like it was really rare to see a family do that on television. And they were so like crazy and wild and open about it. And I think that drew so many people in. And it's not even that they were overly sexual at all, or that like sex was the main topic of conversation in the house. It just like for a family to be talking about it as openly as they did seemed so crazy at the time. Oh my God. Sex positive was not a mindset that people were having in 2008. Especially with parents. Especially with parents, especially with, you know, stepdads. Right. <laughs> oh my God. That's, <laughs> that was not, I, that, I promise that you guys, that was not, any, <laughs> not any sort of porn innuendo, innuendo, but I imagine that it sounded like one. Um, <laughs> But no, like, yeah, I, I remember watching that at the time and feeling like, are they allowed to say this? You know, we were 14 when this episode came out. Crazy. Crazy. I know. I, I loved it then. I love it now. So that was kind of the conclusion of season two. Nothing crazy, but as always, fun to kind of just analyze. And let's get into the main portion of the show now, shall we? Uh, let's do it. Okay. Quick break and we'll see you on the other side. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app, and it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me, was Spanish, and I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition. So they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. 
It's convenient. There are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, let me take you back to March 8th, 2009, when this episode premiered. And this is the episode that gave us one of the most famous lines while they're on their way to drop Chloe off of jail. So we start out and Kim and Chloe had gone on vacation to Australia. They're showing Chris the pictures and Chloe saying how she got kicked out of her DUI class while she was in Australia because she missed two consecutive weeks. She didn't really think it through and now she's kind of in trouble. So that's what sets the scene for the rest of the episode, right? Right. She's saying how she has to make a court appointment and at the beginning they're talking about it with a lot of ease and of real casualness. Right. She just thought that she would go in for a court appointment and they would just reschedule her to a different DUI class or she would have to pay a fine or something. Like she did not think anything of it. And going off of that point, I guess now is a good time to kind of say this before we even get into the episode because whether you watched it or you're just listening to it, I know a lot of you will be thinking this and it's really important to acknowledge. The way that Chloe and the entire family kind of is viewing the entire criminal justice system is just very, very evident of their privilege, which I'm sure even them watching it back would recognize that. And so I completely, completely understand if you were watching this and you're like, oh my God, how are they talking about this with such a level of casualness? Whereas so many people can't even afford to pay their bail. There are so many people that are in jail for so many years that haven't even committed a crime just because an inability to pay their bail. So, and so many other things. So I just, it's very important to mention that before even going into this. Yeah, of course. And I also, it's funny because I remember it being such a thing during this time, like during Chloe's DUI, during all of these other celebrity DUIs about how all of these celebrities would come out and be like, they're just trying to make an example out of celebrities. We were put at such a fault because they want to make an example out of us. And looking back on that, I cannot believe that was even a thing that anybody dare said. I know. That's that is Julie when we talk about prime examples of like quote cringe headlines that is top of the list. It literally reeks of somebody who's like it's so hard to get a job when you're white. Like you know what I mean like when you just want to like slap them and be like are you kidding me? That's exactly the same thing that it comes off of. As. Yeah. And nobody was talking about that at the time in terms of like the major media companies. No. No. It's really like that's a whole other conversation, but to examine the DUIs during that time and the entire way the public thought about criminal justice or criminal justice in popular media and in reference to celebrities is just a fascinating subject. Well, because somehow Hollywood succeeded at making these celebrities look as though they were victimized. Yeah, 100%. It was really, wow. As if this was a criminal justice system out to get the rich white folks. Like what? Right. As if it was, as if it existed solely to punish celebrities. Yeah. It's it's, it's really like wild. 
it's horrifying and infuriating and just like embarrassing to look back on it now. But as we always say, if we're going to do these episodes, like you have to try to transport yourself back to the time in a way. I know we kind of do both, but you know, that's what was happening at the time, which is crazy to think about, especially since it was only 11 years ago, this episode. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you want to mention on that or should I get into the first real scene? No, let's get into the first scene. Okay. So Malika's driving Chloe to court and basically Chloe's plan is she's going to go in, get the extension from the judge. She'll be right out. 45 minutes later, she comes out and she says in her confessional, my judge is not very happy with me. He thinks that my job is a luxury and that there's no excuse in why I got kicked out. So now I have to serve 30 days in jail. She comes out. Obviously she tells Chris and one, the almost like joking nature with what she's talking about that she calls Chris and she's like, guess who's going to jail on the 18th. And Chris is like, very kind of confused and chloe goes i could have gone without you knowing but now that i have to stress out more because now you're fucking making a bigger deal about what it is it's not that big of a deal chris says any mother would react like crazy if their daughter calls him and says hey i'm going to jail how do you think i feel chloe says mom how do you think i feel and malika goes i'm sorry chloe but you're wrong and chloe goes i mean the stress and malika says how else do you expect her to react she's your mom (laughs) i want you to know that if i ever get arrested and have to call you and say that i'm going to jail that's exactly the way i'll do it I know you will, first of all, but second of all, the point about this that I actually wanted to make, because like I think we can all just recognize the ridiculousness with which that scene occurred, but this is 11 years ago, and Malika tells Chloe exactly as it is 11 years later. Not one thing has changed. She has always been Right? Not one thing. She has always been such a voice of reason for her. Yeah. She needs that. It's funny to watch Chloe here because- in so many ways, she is the exact same person. And then there are so many ways where you look back on the way she acts or the things she says, and you're like, where is the empathetic Chloe that I know? Julie, I have to tell you, out of all of them, and I know a lot of people may think it's corny, to me, Chloe is the one where I feel like I'm looking at two different people. And I know what you're saying. There are a lot of similarities, but to me, the differences stuck out more than the similarities. Yeah, I think so too. I remember, um, I think it was during the Jordan episodes where she's talking about not getting angry and she talks about how much she's worked on herself to not be this person filled with anger. And you can kind of see that here just in how quick she is to react and react so negatively, especially to Chris. You can just see she's a much angrier person then than she is now. Yes. And you hear that a lot when people are like, I'm just working on myself. I'm working, you know, it's like kind of, it's almost become a meme because of the overuse of that phrase. However, when you watch back these episodes, it's clear that she really has been. We are talking about one person that handles stress or upset or other people's emotions, like entirely different, like entirely different. It it almost, it really kind of took me back actually, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We'll see that later on. So they're back at the house and Chloe's telling Caitlin and shockingly, Caitlin is not as phased as I think we were all anticipating her to be. And in her confessional, she says, you know, she's a good kid. She made a mistake. She's going to have to pay for it. It's going to be very difficult on her, but I can guarantee she's never going to have this problem again. Yeah. I I forgot that that Caitlin was so chill about it, to be honest. Me too. Caitlin throws me for a surprise sometimes. Me too. I feel like there's nothing that dads love more than when their kid learns a lesson the hard way. And I feel like for Caitlin, it was just like, 
what am I going to do that's worse than her having to go to jail for 30 days? I might as well be supportive. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, next scene, there's this entire storyline about the fact that the media is running with this plot line of Chloe being an alcoholic, going off the DUI, etc. They're then at Chloe and Courtney's townhouse, which I forgot that they lived there together. And I think that's also where her and Scott lived, right? I'm not sure. It's possible. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah. It's hard to remember the houses back then. This was definitely, Chloe moved out and I think this is where Scott moved in because I remember in that scene where she's throwing his clothes off the balcony. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm envisioning it all now. It's all rushing back to me. Yeah. You'll never forget that, Julie. No, never. There's a lot of things you and I forget that is just simply not one of them. No. (laughs) And if it ever becomes one of them, take me to a doctor. Yeah, I will. Don't worry, obviously. So they're all sitting there and Chris is there too. And Chloe says, the press, it's literally out of everything just from this DUI. That's probably been the hardest thing for me. It bothers me because I feel like there's no way for me to redeem myself. There's no way for me to be like, hello, I'm not an alcoholic. And Chris is just saying, everybody's under enormous stress. As a mom, she's never had a child go to jail before. And Chloe's like, mom, listen, it's weird for all of us, but it's especially weird for me. It's happening to me. And this is when Chris gets emotional. And she says, sometimes, you know, I wish daddy was here because he probably could give us all a lot of really good advice. And Kim in her confessional says, anytime my dad's brought up or his name is brought up or a picture, my mom gets extremely emotional. And Courtney goes, mom, you're just making things harder. You just shouldn't talk about that right now. And Chris says, it's just sad. This is one of those times when I wish he was around to kind of just tell us what to do. And in her confessional, Chris says, my ex-husband, Robert Kardashian, who passed away five years ago, was an ace lawyer. And I really feel like if he was alive today, we wouldn't be going through any of this. Chris walks into the kitchen. Kim, Chloe, and Courtney go in after her. And Courtney says, mom, that's not right to do. Chloe's going to jail. You're going to make her feel bad. Chris says, I know I have a moment. I just get really sad when I think about daddy and this is just overwhelming. And Chloe says, I'm sorry, but I can't think about dad about this. I just can't even fathom the thought of dad knowing that I'm going to jail. And in her confessional, Chloe says, I mean, I love my mom, but come on, please just don't do this to me right now. Don't suck me into your little emotional train that you're going on. And Chris says, okay, I'll do my best to keep my emotions in check. Oh my God. There's like so much here. So much. Do you want to go through this now or you want to keep going? I feel like, let's just say one quick thing, but it really comes to a head later on, right? Yeah. I guess what I'll say is like, one, we already know that Chloe out of all of them is having the hardest time processing Robert's death. And at this time, she hadn't really done it yet. So anytime he's brought up is probably triggering, totally understandable. I also think Chris has this rush of guilt, et cetera. And if I'm just being totally honest, my raw reaction was I was blown away at how insensitive I felt like they were being to Chris feeling emotional. Yet also, I recognize that for Chloe, the thought of bringing her dad into it and feeling like he would be ashamed of her was probably also too hard. So I really feel like I had to give them grace and not judge them. Although, you know, all I could think about is like if my dad is crying about my mom, I know my parents weren't divorced. I just couldn't imagine reacting like that, but it's not fair to judge because she was probably going through her own thing, you know? Yeah, it's it's impossible to judge the situation. I agree about the way they were reacting to Chris and it definitely reaches ahead later on, but no, you're 100% right. The only thing that I will say about this, because it doesn't come up in a later scene, is when Chris says in her confessional that, you know, Robert was the best lawyer and if he was here, this wouldn't be happening. It's crazy because we that's how we view Chris Jenner now. 
You know, there's nothing in our minds that Chris Jenner can't fix. She's the one that the family goes to. She's the one that the family friends go to. No, she's not a lawyer, but she has every connection in the book. And so it was a little bit weird to almost see that role reversal where for Chris, there's someone higher than her in terms of like somebody that could fix things better. I know this was a legal matter, but still it was a little crazy to me because we don't view ever now Chris in a position where she feels like she alone can't fix it. Yeah, definitely. You're a hundred percent right. Okay, next day, it's the day that Chloe's going to jail. Malika's curling her hair. It's like a whole thing. And they just want to get it over with. TMZ is stationed at every gate with their cameras. And you can tell, like, this is really happening. I mean, this wasn't bullshit. This actually did happen. The idea of you getting a blowout before reporting to prison is literally... I don't even know what to even say about it. Her sitting on the floor getting her hair curled, all I could think about was you in a blowout chair being like, yeah, I just have to go to prison for 30 days. <laughs> or going into labor, doing literally anything. Literally anything ever. Anyway, they're all in the car now. They're on their way. And Chris says, we could go to IHOP if we get really close and have a whole bunch of time. Do you want to have breakfast? Chloe calls Rob and he answers and she goes, what's up, Adrian lover? Were you not going to call me to say bye? And he goes, what are you talking about? She goes, what am I talking about? Chris says, your sister's going to jail. Have a little compassion. And then you guys, this is when we get one of the most famous lines in the entirety of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Kim is taking a selfie with her actual digital camera and Chris turns to her and says, Kim, would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. Do you think that's the most iconic line? It is in the top three. I would say it's that and you're doing amazing, sweetie, which have very similar energy. And Kim, there's people that are dying. Yeah. To me, this is like, this is just, if I had to describe the Kardashians, the early days of the Kardashians in one scene and what made them famous, I would say Kim, stop taking selfies. Your sister's going to jail would be the line I would use. Yes. It's like at BravoCon, they had a Housewives um, exhibit, like a, a museum of all of the iconic things that have happened over the years that have been brought for reunions, et cetera. I know it's really hard to like put in a museum a line, but maybe just a picture of that would go if there was like a Kardashians museum type pop-up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, and Kim very seriously is kind of explaining her logic, basically saying she wants to document what's going on while Chloe's gone. And Chloe's like take a picture of me pretending to choke mom. And she's like pretending to choke Chris. They arrive at jail. Paparazzi is everywhere. And you know, they're, how long are you going to be in jail for? Are you, have you been drinking this morning, Chloe? Like just typical paparazzi. And they're kind of all walking linked arms together. And you can tell like they've had experience with paparazzi, but I would say this was probably one of their first big experiences with paparazzi since fame. Oh yeah, definitely. Paparazzi are like, any advice for the youth of America? There's no happy hour where you're going. Like just such dicks. And in her confessional, this was really interesting. Chris is saying that she never thought she'd be walking into a courthouse to surrender her daughter to stay in jail. I know it sounds dramatic, but she's saying that all these memories are swirling around in her head because of the OJ trial. And she says, after our divorce, my ex-husband was on OJ Simpson's defense team and Nicole is one of my dearest friends. It was probably one of the hardest things that I'll ever go through in my whole life because it tore my family apart. It did. It caused a lot of friction between Robert and I. I have one thing to say about that. And I don't know if you're going to agree with what I have to say, but I feel like obviously so much of this episode as we'll get into later on is Chris like really grappling with these feelings of guilt about the disillusion of her marriage with Robert and what she did to cause that everything. 
Every time I think about the OJ trial in terms of their relationship, I think about the fact that if they weren't divorced at the time, there's no way their marriage could have survived being on opposite sides of that situation. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but I am in 100% agreement. But then one could wonder, would that have gone down in the way that it did if they were married? Would he have taken it on? I don't know. I think still yes. You know, I, I, it's hard for anybody to say, but I agree with you. She couldn't even fathom it and they were divorced. Right. That's like a really, that is like a, a divorce worthy thing. You know, when you 100%. are, when your husband is the defense lawyer for the person that killed your best friend. I mean, right. That's like no joke. It, yeah, totally. I think about that a lot, actually. What I was going to ask you um, after I read that was, was this the first time in the entirety of the show where they mentioned the OJ trial? Um, I think that when they first introduced themselves in like the first episodes, one of the things they say is like, um, you might recognize my ex, that like you might recognize the last name Kardashian from my ex-husband, Robert, who was the OJ lawyer. Um, but I think that this was the first episode where they really delve into that and what Chris's relationship to Nicole was. Yeah, yeah. This was definitely the first like real mention of it, I think. This was also the first real kind of delving into the relationship between Chris and Robert in general. And it's so interesting because she never says the words, I cheated on Robert. No, but you can read between the lines, you know? Well, yes, because you know in retrospect, but do you think at the time you were like, oh, she definitely cheated on him? Because I don't think I did, but I was also young. No, I guess I guess if you don't have the knowledge, maybe you wouldn't. She didn't – it was almost like her guilt was – if you – I'll put it like this. If you didn't know, you could tell that there was something else that she wasn't necessarily saying because her guilt didn't necessarily line up with the things that she was divulging, if that makes sense. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch, and Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash cbc. Visit hatch.co slash cbc to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash cbc. Hatch. 
Anyway, they leave Chloe. They're at breakfast. The only reason I'm mentioning this is because Kim is showing how she kind of like sugars her cream of wheat and saying that when her dad was really sick, all he wanted was her cream of wheat and she showed the way that she did it. And by the way, one really quick note about that, which I know is like the least significant part about this. And I don't mean to take away from this deep moment, but like Kim now spends so much time talking about like limiting her sugar. And like, it was really nice to just watch her indulge in like so many tablespoons of sugar, which I know isn't good for you, but like with not a care in the fucking world, you know? Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I always think about how much sugar you add to things like that. And like, I, this is literally the most random side note, but when I stopped putting sugar in my coffee, I thought it was going to be one of those things where, you know, when people are like, I just did this one thing and it changed my whole diet. Like it changed my whole life. Like that's what I thought when I stopped putting sugar on things like my oatmeal or in my coffee. Like I thought my life was going to be different. I thought I was going to be a newborn human. <laughs> First of all, that's hilarious. Also, when did you stop? A couple years ago. Oh, that is so funny. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so because Kim says that in her confessional, Chris says, Robert and I were obviously on two separate sides of the OJ Simpson trial. And I think it made it really tough for me to be nice to him on certain days because I was so angry about what was going on. Keep that in the back of your mind, unless you want to mention something about it. No, back on my mind. Don't worry. <laughs> Chloe calls them. Chris is like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm in solitary confinement, but I'll be out within the next two hours. In the confessional, Kim says, Chloe's going to be released due to overcrowding. And we're just like, we really can't believe it. Again, like I, I, I like what I said before we even started this. I get it. I recognize that her privilege was rampant through this entire thing. But I, I don't think any of us thought that she was actually going to jail for 30 days, which is unfortunate that that's like immediately our mindset that we just knew there was no way. You know what I mean? Right. When there's so many people that are serving so much longer for things they never even did. Right. And that's still the case today, by the way. Like anytime that anybody's talking about Lori Laughlin somebody will say like there's no way she's going away for that whole time like my dad's always like she'll be out in a couple of weeks i know crazy it's crazy and it's so fucked up and i i'm sorry if i sound like a broken record and i've said this before but if you haven't watched time the khalif browder story on netflix Mm -hmm. i couldn't recommend it more it's like it, it really if you feel like you don't know enough about the injustices within our criminal justice system like you gotta watch it it's fascinating and heartbreaking and I think one of the most well done documentaries I've seen um, that really kind of like personifies the struggle in a way. And it it will just make you mad and you want to be mad. That's what we want, right? We want people to be infuriated and mad and feel like we have to do something to change this because it can't go on like this. A million percent. Insanely, insanely eye opening. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Again, it's called Time. Maybe we can put it in the bio of this, but it's called Time. Anyway, they go back to jail, they pick her up. Obviously, she's so happy. She's smiling. They're in the car, and Courtney goes, are you celebrating tonight? She's like, Chris says, I only have one word for tonight, vodka. Kim's like, don't say that to Chloe. And Chloe's like, I don't have a drinking problem. I can't drink and drive. So they're all at lunch. It's Chris, Kim, Courtney, Malika, and Khadija. And in her confessional, Chloe goes, I'm out of prison, and I'm so happy to be out. I just want to eat and then bathe. I'm not in the mood to drink, but my mom and Courtney decide to order rounds of shots for everyone. Little Miss Courtney gets so fucked up. Like, how appropriate is that? I just got out of jail for a DUI. I can't be around drunk people right now. And the only reason I'm even mentioning that, I know it's like a kind of insignificant scene, is just because Courtney and Chris have always been really fun like this. Like, you would never see Kim being the one to order the shots. No. And this cracks me up because I'm just thinking about 
the news story that would have come had there been paparazzi in the restaurant watching them all drink directly after Chloe leaves present for her DUI after a couple of hours. And there's no way that you can explain that away. Like, there's no way that the entire world thinks you have a drinking problem and then you get out of prison for your DUI and then you're at lunch and everyone's drinking and you just have to be like, no, no, no I swear, like, I wasn't, I, I know this looks bad. Like, there is no way to explain yourself out of that situation. No, which is why Chris Jenner, PR master, it's just so wild to watch. She would, if that was the case today, which I know like a million things would happen that wouldn't be, but that would just never happen. Right. It was so funny to watch. They were, oh my God. I don't want to say careless because I don't think that's the case. I just, and the times were different a hundred percent, but it's just, it's so crazy watching them and the differences that you see between the way they handle things now. It's completely so accurate. So next scene, this is when it gets really deep. Chris is at lunch with MJ and In her confessional, she says, when I'm feeling funky about something, one of the people that I find great comfort in is talking to my mom. And Chris is saying to MJ that she feels like going through this entire experience is bringing up these really weird feelings about Robert. And she always says Robert Kardashian. And she says every time his name comes up, she gets really sentimental and emotional. And she says to MJ, I feel so desperately guilty about the fact that I wasn't there enough in the end when he passed away. Like there was something I could have done. And in her confessional, she says, I was the one who initiated the divorce, and Robert was really unhappy about it. It's probably one of my biggest regrets of my life. But after the O.J. Simpson trial, he got really, really sick, and I never really got the opportunity to express to him the way I actually felt. So I really feel like I let him down. And MJ's kind of just telling her, you know, it's not your fault. And Chris says, I just wish I could come to a place where I was okay with these feelings. That was heavy. Very heavy. When she says... I initiated the divorce and it's probably one of the biggest regrets of my life. Can we just talk about that for a second? Yes. I think that if she never had Caitlyn, if Kendall and Kylie were never born, specifically Kendall and Kylie, Caitlyn in this moment though, um, or that moment I should say, I think that the guilt that she's feeling would be unbearable without that. I think that if she didn't have some positive that she can look at and be like, thank God that happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't have my two daughters um, to carry that burden around of what she did in her marriage, feeling like that she never should have gotten a divorce. And then, you know, having to sit with the guilt of him dying. I can't even imagine that. I completely agree with you. It's so true. I think that I think in a way. Kendall, Kylie, and Caitlin almost like got her through it, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, guilt to that extent is a heavy emotion. And that's probably one of the hardest ones to deal with. Oh, for sure. I just, we had spent so much time in the previous seasons talking about how Chloe had never really processed it, but it's very clear that Chris never had either. And I just, we'll we'll keep going because we get into this more, but that was like a very kind of heavy thing. And I, and- it's in, it, 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 I guess what I want to say is it's not a coincidence that these emotions were coming up in light of what was going on with Chloe. Like clearly it was bringing up something in her. I don't know if it was that fact, like she mentioned earlier, that she felt like she kind of failed and that she couldn't fix it in the way that Robert could. I don't know. It's maybe the thing that you want the father of your children to be there for. Whatever it was, it was very clear she was like triggered by this entire situation. Yeah. I think, well, first of all, I think she felt a definite powerlessness that she's not used to feeling. 
um, that she just thinks in her mind that Robert could have been the one to fix it. And also the thing with guilt and what she was feeling is like guilt in order to get rid of that feeling is really, it requires the other party to be there to give their forgiveness and to talk about it with and to absolve them of that guilt and to not have the ability to do that. There's nowhere to go with that emotion. You have to relieve the guilt in yourself. And that is, it's really so difficult to do. No, you're spot on. It's I think it's one of the most difficult things to do. But Brene Brown talks about this a lot, like the the spiral that can happen because it turns from guilt to shame. Like I did a bad thing to I'm a bad person. And there's a really big differentiation there. But oftentimes when you go into that spiral, the two kind of just merge. And I think for so many people that are feeling this type of guilt, like probably you're right probably the only thing that could really bring her out of it fully would have been a conversation a face-to-face conversation with robert where he said to her you have my forgiveness and i am okay and etc and like being ripped of that opportunity i i just personally i can't fathom the lifelong pain that that must have caused yeah and that just is also the difference between her and the fact that Chloe never really dealt with it. Chloe had so much anger and emotion and a lot of it was internal. And that's the kind of stuff that you can work through if you're willing to work through it and put in the work. The stuff that Chris was dealing with was, I think, much, much harder. And I also think that that anger that Chloe had is why she was so unable to see Chris's pain. Yeah, well, we're about to get into that because that's like the, to me the most interesting part of the episode. But yeah, yeah, it's like it's because there's guilt and grief, and Kim Chris was grieving, but her grieving was a lot more intertwined with guilt, whereas Chloe's was a lot more intertwined with anger. Right. Yeah. So the next scene, they're at Smooch. It's Chris, Courtney, Kim, and Chloe, and Chris is saying how she's been talking to MJ and she's been struggling with a lot of the stuff related to their dad, and she's like, "I wanted to see how you guys would feel about me going to visit his grave." She said, it's almost been five years, and with everything going on with you girls, it seems to really be present all the time. I can't really resolve it, and I just think I need to pay him a visit. That's all. In her confessional, Kim says, my dad, I think, to the day he passed, was always in love with my mom, and I think my mom always knew that. And, you know, I think she felt guilty inside over it. I know that she probably needs to just do this for herself. So Kim is saying to Chris she thinks it's a good idea, and Chloe goes, I think the idea sucks. I do not think that I want to remember my dad laying in grass where there's a plaque that says in loving memory. I don't choose to listen to this conversation. And Kim is like very confused as to why Chloe reacted like that. She's like, I, you know, mom didn't ask you to go. And Chloe says, yeah, but if she's asking for my opinion, I think it's a stupid idea. I think you're going to go there and make yourself cry more. And Kim says, well, maybe that's good for her. Maybe you should go there. Chris says, I always have to hold my feelings in because you guys are always so critical if I even say one word. Courtney says, we're not critical. It just upsets us when you get emotional. Chris says, but you're mean about it. I just think you make fun of me, Courtney, and it's not nice. And Chloe, you're just disrespectful. You know what? All of you think about what you say to people because it's very hurtful and I'm done. Chris storms out and Kim says, you guys are honestly so rude. Chloe says, good. She goes, no, why is that good? That you're rude to your mom? Oh my God. I have so many thoughts. You go first, same. Okay. I think a big part of what's happening here that none of the kids want to admit is that I think Chloe and Courtney both, maybe more than Kim, hold a lot of anger towards Chris about what happened with Robert and the fact that he died 
and maybe they're also acknowledging the fact that he died still in love with Chris. So I think that where Kim has clearly been able to understand it and let it go, Chloe and Courtney just haven't. And I think for them, with dealing with the grief of their dad and then seeing their mom kind of react and be upset, it was kind of like, what are, what are you crying about? Like, you you made your bed, you have to lie in it kind of thing, which is not an appropriate reaction, honestly, but I can understand where that anger with that is coming from. And I think with Chloe, a lot of her emotions here probably had a lot to do with that. But also, I think that she was projecting so much onto Chris because I think Chloe could not bring herself to go to Robert's grave. And the idea that Chris would be able to upset Chloe in a way that like she didn't really realize and didn't really understand why she was so upset. But I think so much of it comes back to the fact that Chris is trying to work through this grieving process where Chloe has just not been able to and she's just projecting all of this anger onto Chris. Exactly. It was so it was such a duality. There were so two different things happening at once because like you said on one hand, I think I really think that anytime this like deep emotion is brought up in regards to Robert's death, Chloe just can't deal with it and she's upset that she even has to. Like I think she only wants to think about it on her own terms. So then when someone comes in emotional, which I know like you said is not fair, but I think that's what was happening for her. Like she doesn't want to then have to deal with this when she's not ready. I think right. there was that element. But what you were saying to your first point, it's almost like this is a really bad thing to say, but I felt this when I was watching it. I almost felt like what they couldn't say to Chris and Chris wasn't saying this to them. She was saying this to MJ and in her confessional that she felt guilty, but I think they sense the guilt. And I think almost what maybe Kim and Courtney, Chloe and Courtney were thinking that they couldn't say is like, yeah, and you have a reason to feel guilty. And yeah. since you can't say that because that's literally the most evil thing you can say to someone that's upset about something they did to someone that's deceased, the next best thing you can do in order to like fulfill that sense in yourself is to just like be kind of non-emotional and mean about it. And so I think it was self-conscious. I don't think they were intentionally trying to be like that, but I do think they had this element of like, what the fuck are you crying over? You actually wronged him. I know how terrible that sounds and I don't think it was conscious, but it had to be happening on some level because they've spoken about it when they went to those mediums. Like they had a lot of anger towards Chris for what they felt she did to Robert. Yeah. And that's what I said to you earlier is because you made the point of like, I just couldn't imagine being so insensitive to my dad crying about my mom dying. And I was like, I guess for a second, you kind of have to picture how you would feel if your dad was crying about your mom dying. And also you had a, your dad had in a hypothetical scenario, obviously this didn't happen, had cheated on your mom and they had gotten divorced. And you guys were kind of both grappling with that. It's a really hard position to put yourself in and how you would feel about the other parent. Because you can't just say like, yeah, no, I would forgive them. Of course, it's hard for them too because you just don't know. You don't know how much anger you're going to have because I think regardless, Courtney and Chloe especially had a lot of anger about the marriage ending in general and their mom cheating on their dad regardless of what happened to Robert. So I think they already had that anger towards her and what you know, kind of happened in their childhood and what resentment they carried with that. But then to add that on top of the fact that his life was so unfortunately cut short and their time with him was cut short, you know, the two things kind of go hand in hand here. And I think that I under could understand that anger. 
I know. I agree with you. That's why when I started saying it, I stopped myself because it's like, it's not fair. Like you can't judge someone else's grieving process. You just can't, you know? Right. Like it's, it's really easy for us to judge. And I don't, I mean, just because I lost a parent doesn't give me any more right. Like it's still, they, it was a totally different circumstance. It was in the public eye. There were so many other elements there, you know, with me and my parents, it was like the three of us, just this like little, very loving family. Like my parents were madly in love. So it's, it's really different. You can't compare it. And I just, it just made me sad as all, you know, I just, no matter what, even if you're not judging the way they react, you can still feel for Chris. Cause like, Mm -hmm. here's this woman crying about her ex-husband that yes, she did wrong him. And like the kids are giving her no compassion again, not their fault, but I felt that way. And the point that it really brought up to me was like, we say this literally all the time, but every time an example comes up, I feel the need to mention it. Talk about the clearest example of the fact that we always say Kim has always been different to Chris than the others have been. Yep. A hundred percent. Yep. They are just like so on a different, like they are like on the same wavelength and they always have been. It's not just because of Kim's success. No, Kim is incredibly, incredibly protective over her. Yeah. It's very middle child of Kim. Yeah. And I think just her personality. A hundred percent. Yes. So next scene, Chris goes to the cemetery and in her confessional, she says, I think no matter how you lose someone or how long you loved them, the loss is still profound and unbelievable. To come here is symbolic because it's a place where I can find some closure, do something that I've been struggling with for the last five years. I think that you go through life and you don't want to have any regrets, but I think the one thing I wish I could take back in many ways was getting a divorce. It was a very selfish thing to do when I look back on it, and I am so sorry for ruining that perfect union that we had. I feel like you still probably carried some of the pain with you when you got sick, and the one thing that I'll never be able to change is that when I wasn't there for you, and I'll always live with that guilt and that pain, but I came here today to leave it here. So that I can go home and be a good mom and a good wife, and I'm really sorry, and I'll always love you, and I just want all of us to find peace. Ugh, I was fucking bawling my eyes out. Yeah, very emotional. There is no more helpless feeling than when you, and I understand this was as a voiceover in a confessional, but there is no more helpless feeling than when you are sitting at the grave of somebody that you lost and speaking to them, and you know you're just like speaking into an abyss, but feeling like they, or praying like they can hear you. It's like really a very out of body painful experience. And oh my God, I just wanted to hug her. I just so badly wanted to hug her. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was really hard actually. Yeah. Also to Chloe's earlier point, I know in theory, a graveyard may not feel comforting to a lot of people. It didn't for me for a very long time. I, I, I never felt the need to go to my mom's grave. But then when I went right before the unveiling, I, me and my dad lay there and we just cried for hours. So I think it can bring up emotion that you don't necessarily expect for it to. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that's different for everybody. Yeah. Anyway, last scene, she's back at the house. She's telling them how she went and it was really freeing. It was the best thing she could do. Chloe and Courtney come in with flowers. They want to apologize. They're like, you know, you're right. Kim is right. We should let you have an outlet to talk about things. We should be there for you like you're there for us. And Chris says, finally. And Kim in her confessional was just saying she's happy that they came to that realization because she feels like her sisters don't necessarily recognize how harsh they can be on Chris. So it was kind of just, that was kind of it. Caitlin in her confessional is saying how it's really understandable how Chris is dealing with the Robert stuff. And they've spoken a lot about it through the years. And Chris just says, I just want you to know I'm really trying to be there for you and everyone there for me. It means the world. And that was kind of it. Beautiful ending. Thank God they brought her flowers. I was like so pissed at them. (laughs) 
I know. I was like so pissed again, whether it was rational or not. I don't know, but I was. Oh my God. Same. That was a, like low key a really good episode, actually. I thought so too. It was very iconic because of the whole Chloe going to present thing, but also super deep and probably the best insight to the family and Chris that we've gotten in any of the other episodes. Yeah, I when Julie and I were deciding to do this, we were like panicking that there wouldn't be enough. And now I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be like an hour, which is crazy. We thought we didn't even know if we were going to make 30 minutes. Look at us, kid. This always happens. There's just always so much more to say because when we do the superficial bullshit of like analyzing the stupid stuff of scene by scene, then it's pointless. But this was like depth, a lot of depth. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, anything else you want to add? I think that's it. I think so too. We love you guys. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo episode. Julie and I will see you on Monday. As always, thank you for listening. And if you feel inclined to leave a nice review, please do so. Just you listening is enough. But if you're feeling like, hey, want to leave five stars and a nice review, we'd really appreciate it. So thank you just for everything. We love you guys so much. And Isabel and I will see you on Friday. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.